Hey there, Ralph Garman here. Thanks so much for checking out this free edition of The Ralph Report. If you like what you hear, do me a favor. Subscribe to The Ralph Report so we can put some fun in your ears five days a week. And you can listen for as little as $3 a month. So subscribe today so you don't miss out on any of the fun. Go to patreon.com slash The Ralph Report and sign up. Welcome to The Ralph Report with Ralph Garman. Well, hello there, boys and girls. Welcome back to The Ralph Report. We're back with a brand new show for a brand new day. It is Wednesday, February 28th. The year's 2024. That's the year of Dick. that song up that's the song of the show i've never heard that before <laughs> that is the theme song to a, it's uh, not a theme song a pilot for an unproduced dick tracy tv series <laughs> oh, god that was direct it was uh, produced by the same people who produced <laughs> first, <Batman>. first graders <laughs> the same producers that did batman and the green hornet william dozier tried to do another comic book themed Right. Live action show. And sure. so he picked Dick Tracy, and that's the theme song from Dick Tracy, the Dick Tracy. You can't pilot. make that your theme song. <laughs> that was the theme song. He's a good cop. He's a good cop. <laughs> Dick Tracy. He's a good cop. And that's, that's the only the worst. The only theme song line in the entire theme song is Dick Tracy, he's a good cop. <laughs> which he is, so you can't he's really good. deny it. Yeah, it's like going on the Ralph Report. It's a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that's come on what man all hell dick tracy dick tracy but not that theme song he's a good cop he's a good cop dick tracy he's a good cop <laughs> dick tracy he's a good cop yeah. I get it. He can say he's a good cop, but she's got to come in with something else. Like he's, he dresses real sharp. No, like he's, something. He's still a good cop. I, yeah. There's got to be more. He's got to be more. What more does he need to he be? He needs to be more. Than just a good cop. He wears yellow. That's what Dick he's Tracy He's got a pet is. monkey. He doesn't. Well, first of all, he doesn't have a pet monkey ever. That's not canon. <laughs> Both men in yellow hats. <laughs> That's all I know. I think you're confusing it's the guys the same who thing. dress in yellow. Same thing. Oh, I love that theme song. That's ridiculous. I wish that show had gone on the air. We could have done that on a TV Tunes Tuesday. Dick Tracy, he's a good cop. I may owe uh, Cooperman an apology <laughs> if that's a theme song <laughs> that actually got produced for a TV series pilot. Maybe Cooperman has a future. Coop has a future. In the jingle business. For sure. After all. Well, hi there, boys and girls. It's so good to be back. Welcome to the Ralph Report. We have a hell of a show lined up for you today. Because on the counter, you want to know why? Wednesdays. Always fun. Yeah. One Hit Wonder Wednesday. Got a good one today. I hadn't heard about, I hadn't thought about this song in forever. Uh -huh. And when you hear it, you're going to be like, oh, yeah. Okay. I remember that song. 80s song? No, we're going back to the 60s Ooh, for this one. 60s. Yeah, but okay. it's uh, it's evergreen. Okay. We've, we've heard it our whole lives. Okay. Uh, entertainment news, your phone calls, all that lay ahead. But before we get anywhere, we got to do the introductions. I'm your old podcast pal. My name is Ralph Garman. And sitting here in the Batcave with me is the Rear Admiral himself, Sheriff of Ghost Town, Mayor of Myrtle Beach, victim of vandalism, uh. the Baron of Bed Frames. He's the Dilf Pickle. He's Nipsey Muscle. He's Holy God. Holy God. Teddy Pence. Hey, everybody. <laughs> Woo! 
You fiend. Yo, ho, Eddie. What's going on, man? How are you? How am I? How are indeed? you? Is the question. I haven't done anything. You were Arr, on the high seas. Arr, matey, I have. <laughs> I am changed. Life at the sea changes a man, Does Eddie. it? Does it really? When you're out there on the big ocean. Sure. All you can see for miles is just just nothing but water just freedom it changes you sure. Ch changes a man to your core i'm, I'm not the man. same i'm not the same man i was before i left with <laughs> my adventures on the high seas uh yes of course this past weekend was cruise askew the kevin smith fan uh ship takeover cruise we went from miami to the bahamas and back again and i have to tell you it was one of the most remarkable experiences I ever had. Oh, wow. Really so glad that I was included in this uh, this nonsense. First and foremost, I'd thank everybody who came out to the show. So many Garmy members were there. We had uh, Bridget from Long Island was on hand. Oh, nice. Uh, Jody from Huntington Beach. Nice. Mike from Corona. Kevin. I mean, I could go on and on and on listing uh, names you would know here from the Ralph Report. Folks who have called in and, and been a part of the show. Uh, so many Garmy members showed up. And there's, there's such a big crossover between the Kevin Smith fans and the Garmy. Yeah. So um, as you can imagine, there were a ton of folks there. And it was, I mean, it's I'm exhausted. I am spent. <laughs> it was a lot. But it was so worth it. And what a fun way to do a get-together like that. Because as much as there was for the fans to do yeah. and to see, um, they were also on this beautiful ship and they got to go to the Bahamas and yeah. the, the cruise itself, it was a, was remarkable. So the fact that we, then we had all this other stuff on top of it was just a blast, but it was pretty wall to wall for me. Friday when we got on the ship, um, that night mm -hmm. we did, um, Comic-Con theater. That's when Kevin Smith and I read a comic book out loud and we do the voices yeah. and we read along. And uh, that was in the ship's main theater. And we had a great turnout for that. But here's the thing. When you're on a ship and they promise you they have Wi-Fi, right. it's, it's not really a promise. It's right. sort of like a suggestion. <laughs> because the Wi-Fi at sea, as you can imagine, not great. Yeah. So what I did was I had to prep. I had three shows to do. I had to do Comic-Con Theater. Oh. I had to do Hollywood Babylon, sure. and we had to do the Ralph Report. Right. So I had to prep almost everything for those shows during the week before we left. Yeah. Oof. So we get there, and I'm trying to get on the boat, and Queen Jay and I are there, and we are got our luggage, and we're trying to get settled in, but I also know early in the evening I've got that show to do. Mm -hmm. So I run down to the theater, and we start doing the tech run-through, and I have all of the art from the comic book that we were reading. We we're reading Batman Meets the Green Hornet. Sure. The, the, the comic book that Kevin and I yeah. worked on together. So we're going to read the first issue of that. And so I get down there and I've got all the art prepped. Um, nice, beautiful, high-res photographs of all the pages of that comic book to put up on the big screen while we're reading the voice. Of course. So I bring my laptop in and the laptop, it will not recognize the HDMI that's oh. running from the laptop to the projector and the big screen. Oh, no. So I have no way of getting the visuals up on the screen right. for the audience to look at while we're reading the oh, comic book. Pain in the ass. So this is day one, hour one of being on the ship. <laughs> and I'm in a blind panic at this point. So we're running different cables and we're running this. And this, they think it's a drive. We have a driver problem because your driver for your um, art card, right. your graphics, graphics card, card is, is not compatible. recognizing yeah. this dongle that, that brings USB out. It's a long technical, boring story, but the USB had to be fed into the HDMI cable and that's what was working. So that wasn't working. It said, can you download new drivers for this thing? And I was like, I'll try. We'll see. And so it's like, <laughs> slow motion download it says it'll take like an hour and a half to download something we got about 30 minutes to showtime so they said well let's see if we can get the, your files for the art to be read on another computer they weren't compatible that wasn't working jesus so god bless queen jay and this is why i'm marrying her <laughs> 
for no other reason for the just her genius. She's a genius bar. She said, "Yeah, gets." I had the comic book. We were reading from the comic book. Yeah, she said, "Get someone to take pictures of the comic book, new pictures, and we'll just put those up." You know, they weren't as high end as what we had planned, but it was something. Yeah. And and we all looked at each other after she said this, like, why don't you just take pictures with a camera of the of the art, and then we'll just use those. And we all looked at her like, God damn it, why didn't we think of that an hour ago? <laughs> she she literally saved the day. So we got that up and running, and <laughs> minutes before we were supposed to go on, it was it was hairy. But from that point on, after that first debacle, smooth sailing. Oh, nice. No pun intended for the rest of the weekend. But, nice. Um, so I did three shows. We had autograph signing sessions. We had uh, meet and greets. We read, we did stage readings of two of Kevin's unproduced screenplays. Yeah. We did one, which was a sequel to Mall Rats, which is yet to be uh, ever produced. Okay. Which was so much fun because we had Jason Lee on board. Oh, fun. Who turned out just to be an awesome guy. Yeah. We got wrecked playing blackjack in the <laughs> casino together. We had a great time, he and I. We really hit it off. Uh, Ethan Suplee, who's also from Mall Rats, he was also on board. We had... Um, uh, Brian O'Halloran, who was, of course, uh, Dante in Clerks. Mm-hmm. We had Jeff Anderson, Randall from that same movie. We had this great, really cool group of Kevin Smith people who were also all together. And that was nice for us, besides the fans and getting to meet them and hang out with yeah. them. It was nice for those of us who have always been sort of satellites around the planet right. that is Kevin Smith to get together in one place and trade stories and get to meet people that we hadn't met before, we had only heard of. Yeah, And so... Uh, we did a screen reading. We did a reading for that, and we did a reading for the third film in Kevin's Canada trilogy of Tusk Yoga Hosers. He has written a, a long promised feature film, which is basically a remake of Jaws with a moose <laughs> called Moose Jaws that takes place in Moose Jaws, Saskatchewan, Canada. And I got to play the French Canadian uh, oh, uh, moose hunter. I bet a la, you chewed that up. A la Quint. You have a moose out there. We have to get him. And so uh, we did it. We did it outside in front of a giant screen. And uh, the the boat was just packed wall to wall on the uh, pool deck. And I got to tell you, it was it was just such a blast. So everything we did every night, every day was packed full of stuff. And we just had a blast. Saturday, the boat docked in Nassau. A lot of people got off to do uh, yeah. um, sightseeing and stuff. I didn't because we had... Hollywood Babylon. You had to work. Because I had to work. Yeah. So it really was a working vacation, but the crew could not have been nicer. The production company, sixth man who put the whole thing together, could not have worked their asses off more for us. It really was, it wasn't a bad moment across the board. Everybody just had a blast. That almost makes me want to take a cruise. I'm telling you something, you got to do it. You got to do it. Almost makes me want to go on a cruise. It is, (laughs) it's such a fun adventure because you literally get away from everything yeah your phone is useless yeah internet is useless that would be nice you are you were unplugged for three days oh, no doom scrolling all you do all people were doing were talking to each other what yes Communi- face-to-face communication interactions with other humans was the only activity <laughs> that you could engage in on board and um Again, I, I'm rambling, but I, I just have to tell you what an amazing adventure it was. Just uh, it was, it was you know exhausting getting to Miami, getting on the ship. well. That part always sucks. Getting off, getting home. Didn't get back in LA until uh, one o'clock in the morning uh, yesterday. But um, I'm telling you, just just a blast. Well, so I'm glad you had fun. I did. Glad and, you're back you were soon. you were mentioned quite often. Many <laughs> Garmy members would come up and say, "Tell Eddie we said hi and we miss him." Oh, and, that's uh, nice. Looking forward to when you guys are getting back to the show. That's nice. Queen Jay did the co-hosting duties for um, our Ralph report on board, and nice. she was great. Of, of course, course, she was. And we had a full room for uh, that. A ton of Garmy members that's awesome. came out. So really, just uh, just a terrific, terrific weekend. So thanks, everybody, for giving me a little time off to go do that thing. And uh, for those of you who were there, I'm sure you will agree that we had a pretty great time. So uh, yeah, all that. And now we're back. Brand new shows today, tomorrow, and Friday. So uh, why don't we get right to it by turning our attention to Garmy members near and far we love it when you guys reach out to us, especially when you leave your voicemails on the Ralph Report hotline, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It's available to you. 
All you got to do is pick up the phone. Here on land, it actually works. You can dial us up. one 833 Then I listen to your voicemails. Anything that's on your mind, your thoughts, your feelings, your questions, your comments, they're all welcome. I grab a handful that catch my attention, and we stick them here in Garmy on the line. The telephone is ringing. The Garmy's on the line. Ralph's going to play your calls now and see what's on your mind. One more real quick funny story before we move on. As I mentioned, Jason Lee and I really hit it off on the cruise. And uh, when we first all got together, um, Jason was there. Mm -hmm. It was my first time running into him. And I went up to him and I said, Jason, I just want to say hi. Um, Work with Kevin. I'm a big fan of your work. You know, my name is Earl as well as uh, Mallrats and, and the other stuff he had done with Kevin. And his wife turns and said, oh, you don't have to tell him who you are. <laughs> and I was like, why? And so she said, "All I, ever since he saw you earlier today, all I, he keeps talking about is the scene from A Million Ways to Die in the West where you take your, tell your son to take his hat off because that's a dollar bill. And Jason said, you don't know. You haven't seen it. She hadn't seen the film. And he proceeded to spend the next 15 minutes describing in great detail the entire scene. With uh, with the Dookie Hauser, with Neil Patrick yeah. Harris and and the bet and Charlize Theron and the dollar and taking it out and he was recreating the entire scene. It made me laugh so hard. But uh, you yeah. never know how that's you affect how he people. knew me. You never know how you affect. Didn't people. know me from anything I'd done with Kevin. He knew me as the take your hat off. That's a dollar bill guy from <laughs> Million Ways to Die in the West. All right, let's turn our attention now to you guys. Starting off, speaking of the cruise, Kevin. Our uh, favorite gunnery sergeant from the Marines or the Green Corps, as uh, he calls it. He was on hand. He called in to talk about the cruise. Hey, Ralph, it's Kevin, your favorite retired gunnery sergeant in the Green Corps. I want to say what an amazing time we had this weekend. Um, top it off, I had bought the drink package and I had to get have 30 drinks on the weekend to make sure i was uh getting my money's worth right got it well friday i was i got up to 24 and amongst other things i guess i proposed to bridget from long island (laughs) and you know the next morning it was like the hangover my buddy and i trying to piece together different things i can't tell you how many people that came up to me and were like hey kevin how you doing blah blah i was like oh shit what did i do with you (laughs) Anyhow, can't wait till 2026. Awesome time. Love you. Mean it. Bye. Yeah, they've just announced we're going to do another one in 2026. Oh, wow. Nice. So start saving your pennies now, boys and girls. (laughs) We're going to get Eddie Pence on the next one. We'll see. We're going to put him on the high seas. Stowaway in a duffel bag. No, we're going to get you a room and everything, just like a person. (laughs) Uh, Speaking of Kevin's fiance, Bridget from Long Island, she was also on the cruise. She called in with a question. It was great seeing you and Jen on the fucking ship this weekend. It was fucking awesome meeting all those new fucking Garmy people I've never met before. It really was a great fucking time. I hope next time we'll get to see even more people. It was really a lot of fucking fun. Anyway, I have a fucking question for you. We've talked a lot about like world records, like the Guinness Book of World Records and shit like that. How the fuck did that Guinness Book of World Records fucking start? Like, seriously, who the fuck started keeping tabs on these stupid fucking records? I mean, some of them are really fucking stupid, but I'm just fucking curious. Anyway, LMFB. Good question. How did Guinness become the arbiter of world records? No fucking idea. As you can imagine, given the name, the Guinness Book of Records, it has to do with the Guinness Brewery in Ireland. Oh, it does. The the Guinness Town, yes. It was created by Sir Hugh Beaver. (laughs) Not Huge Beaver. Huge Beaver. But Sir Hugh beaver (laughs) who was uh an executive at the guinness brewery and he was on a hunting trip and he got in an argument with a friend of his after he took a shot at a golden plover what's a plover it's a bird oh he was shooting at a game bird called a golden plover all right and he missed the shot and he said well it's because the golden plover is the fastest 
game bird in Europe as opposed to the red grouse, which was his friend's point of contention. Okay. contention. Um, so they realized during this argument that there was no place to go, no reference book you could go to to actually settle the bet. Okay. And so they said, why don't we make a book that has the records of the fastest, the biggest, all the, the, the superlatives of of what there of game is, birds? Of, not of game birds, of anything. Of that, everything that could be a, that could be compiled. Shot, not shot. Anything you can shoot. No, but the what's the fastest, the biggest, the largest, right. the quickest, all the right. things at the top of all these different categories. Sure. And so they compiled a book called the Guinness Book of Records, and they gave it away. They printed about a thousand copies and gave it away as a uh, bonus if, with Guinness. Okay, and it went nuts. This is in 1954. So in 1955, they did it again and they sold it and it became the best-selling book in the UK. Yeah, people love reading in stuff 1955. The yeah, it's a great, a great list book and yeah. people love lists. So in 1955, it became a thing and it's still ongoing today. So hmm. that's where it comes from. It all comes from two rich dudes on a, on a hunting trip fighting over which <laughs> bird was the fastest. <laughs> Sounds almost like a Monty Python sketch. Uh, there you go, Bridget. There's your answer. Um, I'm giving away a lot of facts today. Mm. What? Hi, Ralph. This is Dale from Glendale. I know we're not supposed to call in drunk, and I'm not drunk, but I was wondering if there's a Ralph report rule about calling in when you have hiccups. Because I have hiccups, and I'm wondering, didn't you guys have a, a cure for that a few years ago? Um, I'm getting ready to try drinking upside down upside down glass of water no but i don't think that works 100 percent of the time i thought you had a, a cure-all for hiccups and maybe it's calling the ralph report because i stopped hiccuping <laughs> no, while i was talking to you i hiccuped right before i called and it's stopped maybe that's the magic anyway lmb we do have a cure-all for the hiccups here in the ralph report and i've talked about it before and from time to time people We'll check in and say, I forgot it. Yeah, I know you talked about it. What's the cure? And this, I learned this as a bartender many years ago. It was taught to me by another bartender. It's been handed down. <laughs> you get yourself a lime. Mm -hmm. You cut yourself a fresh lime wedge. You cover that lime wedge with granulated sugar. Yeah. Then you put the thing in your mouth and you suck on it. Mm. And when you're done sucking that lime, yeah. and you suck all the juice out, it's done. your hiccups will be gone. Mm. Never seen it fail do you know the medical reasoning behind it at all or is it just magic it's magic it's just magic it's just magic okay. yeah didn't know didn't know if it was magic or science no it's, there's no science to it at all it's, it's magic pure magic pure magic okay. i don't i don't know why it works i just know that it works all right so there you go write it down so you don't have to call in <laughs> now you know can you use a lemon I've, a pinch. I've heard pinch can people use a lemon. i've heard people try it with lemon and i've I've heard varying degrees of success. But 100% ironclad lime. Lime, as far as I know, Got is it. is a world beater when okay. it comes to hiccup stoppage. All right. There you go. All right. We play upbeat music for you every episode to make your day a little bit brighter. We call those our happy hits. Suggestion today. It's a good one. Hey, Ralph and Eddie. Uh, welcome back. We're, we're glad to have you back. Uh, so this is Aaron Winstar from North Carolina. Got a happy hit request for you. Uh, the song is by The Pretenders. It is a track called Louie Louie. It is not that Louie Louie. It is an original track, and it fucking rocks. Uh, it has, uh, well, I'm, I'm a sucker for a great uh, horn intro. Um, and man, once it gets going, it is, ah, uh, fucking love it. Uh, so yeah, The Pretenders, with Louie Louie. Uh, listen now, thank me later. L&B. You don't have to ask me twice to play Pretenders. Love this band. Here it is. Louie Louie. Today's happy hit. Never fade away. Not while I'm alive. Hey, 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 hey! 
Behind one of the great rock stars yeah. of all time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brilliant stuff. Thanks to everybody who called in. You too can be featured in the Garmy on the Line segment, but it can't happen unless you call me. Hey there, it's Ralph Garman here. I hope you're enjoying the show. And if you are, why not subscribe to The Ralph Report so you can hear it every day, Monday through Friday. For just 15 cents a day, you can be a one-star general supporter, and that will get you the show in your ear holes Monday through Friday. Of course, there are two, three, and four-star general levels as well, which gets you more bonus content and more access to me. So if you like what you're hearing, why not subscribe? Go to patreon.com slash the Ralph Report. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash The Ralph Report. Subscribe today so you don't miss a thing. Time now to pay tribute to the lives and legacies of folks who left us on this day in history. February 28th. Who died? I'll tell you. In Hello, Death. Did you electrocute yourself or run into a shell? Hello, death. Did you eat poison mold or just get old? Hello, death. Did you fall from the sky? Ralph Garman will know why, even though you said goodbye. Hello, death. Hello, death. Hello, death. On February 28th in the year 1510, Juan de la Cosa died. Juan de la Cosa. Juan de la Cosa. Juan de la Cosa. Spanish cartographer. Ooh. Explorer, conquistador. Oh. He designed the earliest European world map. Huh. And he gave his life for maps. Did he? Yes. He was in, an, in a confrontation in modern-day Colombia. Okay. And he was mapping that part of the world. Sure. And he was shot with poison arrows by the indigenous peoples well, of Colombia. Because he was mapping places he wasn't supposed to map. I think he was also uh, raping and pillaging and well, being, that's, stealing natural goods. That's and, the conquistador part. Yeah, that's yeah. the conquistador part, yeah. But he was also mapping. Uh, sure. So he gave his life for maps. Right. That's the way I look at okay. it. Okay. George Hurst. That name sound familiar it at does. all? It does. George Hurst was the American mining billionaire who became a politician, senator from California, started off from humble beginnings, and then his mining business made him rich beyond his wildest dreams. He mm. died on this day in 1891. His son, William Randolph Hearst, yeah. would go on, of course, to become uh, one of the biggest publishing tycoons of newspapers in history. 1929, Clemens von Perquet, Austrian physician. Yeah. Coined the word allergy. He was allergy. the first one to give us allergies. Mm. He took his own life on this day. Because allergies? At the age of 54, I don't think Couldn't so. stop sneezing. He probably had other problems. 1963, Bobby Jasper, Belgian jazz saxophonist, one of the greats, died way too young of a heart attack at the age of 37. Ooh. But he left behind so many great tunes. <laughs> So good. Sounds almost like you. Very much like me. Very close. I'm very influenced by Jasper. 1966, we lost Charles A. Bassett II yeah. and Elliot McKay C. The, the Junior. The Junior. The Junior. Two NASA astronauts 
who were training in the famous T-38 supersonic jet. Right. That was a training jet sure. for uh, wannabe astronauts. And sadly, that jet went down. Oh, they died in practice? Taking both of their lives. They died doing practice. They died lo- doing what they loved, Eddie. Crashing? Not the crashing part, the flying parts. Screaming in panic <laughs> as they're hurling towards the earth? They probably didn't have a chance to scream. Probably not. It was supersonic. Oh, God. No, thanks. It's a bad way to go. 1967, Henry Luce. American magazine publisher, published at one time, no pun intended, Time, Fortune, and Life magazine at the same time. Died at the age of 68. In 1972, Victor Barna, one of the greatest table tennis champions of all time, passed away. I mean, table tennis, it's it's good to be good at something. But when someone's the tennis, the ping pong champ, yeah, but those guys are so good. I know. It takes the fun out I, of it. I understand that when you watch them, it's sort of miraculous. It's a spectacle. But at best case scenario, you're like the ping pong ball champion. Like I'm like a well, table. Sure what some, do you do? I'm, I'm the table tennis I'm sure champ. there's some That's ping pong great. like roadies. Enthusiasts? I'm sure there's some. He can probably pull some. I mean, don't get me wrong. They're great at what they do, and I can appreciate that. But it's not like, oh, we've got a, the heavyweight champion of the world here. We've got a four-time uh, Stanley Cup winner, right. a couple Super Bowl winners, and then this is the ping yeah, pong champion. But the ping pong champion doesn't have CTE. <laughs> that's true. All the other ones do. <laughs> His brain still works, so I guess that's good. 1974, we lost Bobby Bloom. How appropriate. We talk about him on One Hit Wonder Wednesday. The American singer-songwriter who only had one hit in his life, Montego Bay. Come sing the line. Died in mysterious circumstances. Making maps? <laughs> no. Oh. One, some claim it was a self-inflicted gunshot wound from cleaning his weapon. Oh, well, he's not very experienced with weapons if he did that. Some, some say, say it was a gunfight over a woman. That seems more. I liked it. I liked it. The romantic in me likes to believe it was Someone that. who owns a gun isn't going to accidentally shoot themselves. You'd be surprised how many people injure oh, themselves cleaning loaded <laughs> firearms. You don't clean a loaded firearm. Well, you unload the firearm and then clean What it. if you're not aware uh, well, that it's loaded? Well, then you shouldn't have a firearm. Well, maybe you should go around you don't to people's know homes if it's loaded or and, not. and check their weapons well, for I'm them. I'm not doing that. Check my weapon wanna, right now. I don't want to look. put your weapon away. I don't want to see that weapon. 1977. Eddie Anderson passed away, better known as Rochester, the longtime butler of Jack Benny on radio oh, and television. Okay. Remember Jack I Benny? Do. Oh, Rochester. <laughs> now I have people coming over. Or something. <laughs> something like that. that okay, was a- okay, Mr. Benny. <laughs> Here's a scene uh, featuring Jack Benny in Rochester. Uh, Jack's trying to figure out how he can entertain all the cast and crew of his most recent motion picture. My house isn't big enough to hold all the people that work on my picture. Be much too crowded. Well, if you don't want a crowd, why don't you just invite the people who saw it? (laughs) John Royal. Boom. Hitting him where he lives. Oh, fucking devastating. Right? Hey, speaking to audiences, how was uh, how was your show at the Irvine? Irvine Improv is fun. Improv. It's fun. I had a bunch of one of the last things we talked about before we left. Before you shipped off. Shipped out. Shipped out. Shipped Shipped off. Jerked off. Whatever you did. How was your show down it was there? Fun. A lot of fun. We had like. Uh, did you have Garmy members come up? A lot. We had, I'm trying to think. We had the Fettos came out. Oh. Uh, Jody came out. Um, Bug Bob came out. Um, who's the guy that called in about the king size bed after 10 years? Oh, yeah, right. Remember he got his king size bed after yes. the 10 years of marriage? Yes. That, I forgot his name. That's okay. We know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I forgot about. your name. I apologize. He's the he's mattress king. Mattress guy. Yeah. King size bed. Oh, we had quite a few Garmy people came out. We had like 160 people down there on a Sunday night. Which oh, is, it's perfect. Great. It's a fun show. I'm glad it worked out. Uh, 1979, we lost Mr. Ed. Hello, I'm Mr. Ed. It's okay, though, because it wasn't the real Mr. Ed. It was his publicity. Oh, the publicity horse? Publicity Ed. Wasn't the real Ed. Wasn't the one from the actual TV series who had died nine years earlier. This was Mr. Ed they put out there for, like, shopping malls okay. and, and meet and greets Rizzer, and stuff. Scissor, Come down. cutting. <laughs> he wasn't scissoring anyone. He was a horse. They should. Come on down and meet Mr. Ed. This was that guy. What about the guy who actually voiced Mr. Ed? That's Mr. Ed. No, that's the no. That's that should be Mr. Mr. Ed. Ed talks. He's a real talking. Well, Mr. Ed could've been any fucking horse. How dare you? Original Mr. Ed's real name was Bamboo Harvester. 
<laughs> that was his real name. His stage name. I would have made the Ed. theme song much more difficult. <laughs> a horse is a horse, a horse, of course. Bamboo harvester. You could fit it. I guess you could do it. That works. It's better than Dick Tracy's. Dick Tracy. He's a good cop. Mr. Ed, he's a horse. So dumb. It's going to be dumb forever. We should, every every TV show, fame should just be that. A team. They're from the army. They have guns. Uh, 1986, Olaf Palma. Olaf. Olaf Palma, Prime Minister of Sweden, assassinated at the age of oh, 59. No. You don't think about that when you think of Sweden. Because they're neutral, or they were. Now they're in NATO. I thought but Switzerland they were, was neutral. Maybe it's, I don't know. Yeah, I think Switzerland. I always get them neutral. mixed up. But Sweden's like free love and fondue and stuff and everything and cheap furniture. Sure. And meatballs. meatballs. And you think yeah. they're like a fun-loving, swinging bunch of people. Well, not when you piss them off. You don't think about political violence. Not when, when you, you cross come, a Swede. Come to the Swedes. I got to go to Sweden. I got to well, put that on my that list. That should be where the next cruise goes. Yeah, to. we should take a Swede of, Swede of Cruiseland. <laughs> Do they have... <laughs> they have water there, right? We could I cruise, don't know. We could cruise, could we cruise Sweden. I think part of it has water. Mm. Uh, 1993, Ishiro Honda, this guy. Yeah. Film director, producer, writer, died at the age of 81. Back in 1954, he co-wrote and directed a movie that changed the world forever. He co-wrote and directed Godzilla which single-handedly established the kaiju genre of yeah. filmmaking. It's the longest-running film franchise in history. Oh, is it? Yes. Have you seen Godzilla? According Minus? to the Guinness World Book of Records. Oh, have yeah. you seen Minus One? Godzilla? I still haven't seen Minus really One. Really funny. I don't even like Godzilla, and it's a really good movie. That's what everybody says. But there, think about how long Godzilla's been with us. That's crazy. Non-stop since 1954. 70 years. 70 years. Crazy. 1999, Christine Glanville, British puppeteer, passed away. She wasn't just any puppeteer, though. She worked with the Andersons doing all those marionettes for all those uh, super marionation presentations awesome. like Thunderbirds and Love Captain Thunderbird. Scarlet yeah. and all those. She was a, the lead puppeteer and also designer of a lot of those characters. Speaking of the Brits, 2005, Chris Curtis, drummer for The Searchers, passed away at the age of 63. Searchers, one of the biggest bands to come out of England during the British Revolution. Not the Revolution. Invasion. Invasion. That's what it was called. Uh, they were right neck and neck with the Beatles in their home country back there. They were really? a Liverpool band as well. Huh. Didn't succeed over here as nearly as, as large as the Beatles, of course, but they were, uh, they were competitors. And like the Beatles, they had to record some of their hit songs in German because for the big German market. Oh, sure. We talked about the poor house. Sure. Sie liebt dich. Is she loves you in German. <laughs> Needles and pins had to get a German version. It's not quite the same. We in need German. Dick Tracy in German. That's what we need. Dick Tracy. That's good. Yes, good cop. <laughs> Guten Kappen. Mike Smith, lead singer for the Dave Clark Five, which is confusing because Dave Clark was the leader of the band. Sure. But he was the drummer and he did not sing. And so Mike Smith was the actual front man for the Dave Clark Five. He passed away on this day in 2008. News commentator and radio broadcaster Paul Harvey passed away on this day in 2009. He was on radio for about 400 years, and he always did the same thing. He would tell you an interesting human interest story. Sure. And then at the end, he would always button it with, Well, now you know the rest of the story. That was his tagline. <laughs> passed away at the age of 90 on this day. And in 2011, Jane Russell, American actress and sex symbol of the 1940s and 50s, Passed away at the age of 89. Less known for her acting than she was her giant boobs. 
So much so that when she made a movie for Howard Hughes called The Outlaw, he built her a special bra. Really? He designed her a brand new bra to showcase her giant boobs. Push-up bra. Yeah. Wow. Howard wow. Hughes. Oh. Boobs. Genius. Genius. And now you know the rest <laughs> of the story. All right, you know what we do at this point? We find a food related to someone who passed away. We run it past Eddie Pence. Seeing if it's something he would like to eat or perhaps stick up his ass. Then pull out. Oh. It's just that simple. Mm. We talk about the food, then we pull the handle of the patented Eddie Pence jackpot slot machine. When those reels stop, if they all line up. Jackpot. That means Eddie is chowing down on that food. Mm -hmm. But what if they're all higgledy-piggledy? <laughs> that means Eddie's not going to eat the food. No. All right. I'm nervous. I'm on a streak. You are four in a row last yeah, week, right? Yeah, I'm nervous. All right, uh, this food okay. comes to us via Rose Gray, who passed away on this day in 2010. Sure. She was one of the most influential British chefs and restaurateurs of the 20th century. Co-founded a restaurant called the River Cafe in London, an Italian restaurant in London that became renowned world round a Michelin star restaurant, mm -hmm. but she also, more importantly, showcased the talents of a whole generation of chefs who later became celebrity chefs, including Jamie Oliver. Are you familiar with the I've heard. TV chef Jamie yes. Oliver? Yes, He's yes, very yes. popular. He got his start as a very young man uh, cooking there at the River Cafe in London, and it was one dish that broke him wide open. Oh. Not literally. Split his, him, huh? His body, but broke his career. Put him on television, made him a star. Sure. He has said many times, this is the reason I got discovered and ended up on TV. It's how I got to where I am today. This dish changed my life. And that was his version of rotolo. 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 R-O-T-O-L-O. -O. Rotolo. Okay, what is rotolo? It's a Tuscan dish uh -huh. that is made of pasta. Okay. And inside the pasta, you wrap spinach and cheese and porcini mushrooms, and you roll those up, and then you bake the rolled up pasta rolls in a tomato sauce, and when you cut into them, you yeah. get a swirl of pasta, a swirl of the spinach, bombs of white cheese, all in a delicious tomato sauce. And it was that dish that put him on the map, but it's gonna put Eddie Pence on the map. It's the only way for us to find out. We gotta pull that handle. Here we go. One Rotolo, two, three. Yeah, come I can't. on. But mushrooms are a non-starter. It you, it's right. The non-starter. Inside non of it, you wouldn't even I know would, it. I would know it. You wouldn't know. know it. You wouldn't know it. Well, it says it in the menu. Yeah, but right. I'm if I eating, didn't tell I'm you, not blindly eating food at a restaurant. If I didn't tell you, and you, just, I said, here, try some Rotolo, no. and you cut would, it into first, it. First, I'd be like, what's in this? Oh my god. And then you'd have to tell me. I'm like, no thanks. But if I have to tell you spinach and mushrooms, if I have to no. tell you something no. that makes you unhappy, yeah. Is it really genuinely making you yeah, unhappy? Making me unhappy. No, I would think if you ate something, you'd go, "Oh, what, my God, what's that taste?" And then we could say, "Oh, it's probably the mushrooms." And I'm like, "Oh, like. fuck! Why didn't you tell me there are mushrooms in here?" But you, I wouldn't eat this shit. You would never even know. I would know. Oh my God, I would know. The mushrooms are foul. We're back. We're back right where we were. Yep. Eddie Pence. Thank you. I feel better now. I want some rotolo. I don't. Hey, tell you what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna make a, you a nice rotolo. I'm gonna take it a mushroom out for you. Okay. And then stick them up in your heine hole. That's what a Italian chef. Heine hole? Your heine hole. That's it for today's. <laughs> Hello, Death. Hello, Death. You're dead now, so shut up. Time now to take a look at all the entertainment news in a segment I call the Showbiz Beat. Donna Summers' estate is suing Kanye West for copyright infringement. Oh. Apparently, he just released a new album, and one of the songs on the album, Vultures One, yeah. sounds like a bad science fiction movie. <laughs> Two astronauts board the Vultures, Vultures One. One. Only one comes home. <laughs> um, they have a song called Good Don't Die. Right. And they used a piece of her famous song, I Feel Love, in that song without their permission. Now, here's the thing. They didn't sample it because they approached the Donna Summer estate and they said, we want to use a sample from I Feel Love in this song. Yeah. And the Summer's estate said, 
we don't want anything to do with you. Yeah. And so we reject your proposed use of I Feel Love, and you're not allowed to use it. Sure. So then Kanye West goes into the studio and re-records almost verbatim the key and the, the hook and all the musical parts of that song and uses that in right. his song instead of the actual recording of Donna Summer's song, I Feel Love. It's ironic because he's got a beef with Adidas because they're selling knockoff Yeezys. Exactly my thoughts. And he's doing this shit. He stuff. called that rape. Right. Because they were selling versions of his shoe. Then what's he doing? He is raping the Donna Summer's estate God. by stealing her music and putting it in he's his. such a shithead. So now they are suing him. Good. For maximum statutory damages, attorney's fees, disgorgement of any profits that he will earn from that <laughs> and if i can get on the uh on the juror jury for this yeah. case uh death penalty oh death penalty okay yes, yeah. i think i'm gonna bring it up even if it's not on the table it's worth a mention i'm gonna i'm gonna have a sidebar with the judge and see if i can slip a piece of paper on the death table penalty. can we add death to this am i allowed I know usually let, they let the jury decide how much money people should get in cases like yeah. this. I wonder if I could su suggest also the death penalty. It's rare in a civil trial, too. Right, yeah, but, but this is how precedent is set, Eddie Pence. That's the beauty of our legal system. <laughs> X-Files creator Chris Carter talked about the reboot that's coming our way of his landmark TV series, The X-Files. Yeah. He's not involved in it. Apparently, oh. I didn't know this. He doesn't have to be. I guess the property is owned by 20th Century Fox. That probably makes sense. And he, although the being the creator, director, writer, man who breathed right. life into this project. But that's how they do it. They you buy, you sell them your show, right? Yeah, I know. It and just then seems you get wrong. creator title, but it seems they own. wrong that they can do an X Files reboot and Chris Carter doesn't have to be on board. What doesn't make sense to me is the suits in the boardroom of Fox going, we should bring in the creator of X-Files to help reboot this thing. Right. Because he knows more about it than anybody. Well, he's out. That makes no sense. Ryan Coogler, man behind Black Panther and Creed, he is going to be rebooting it. And uh, Chris Carter said they've had conversations together and he likes some of his ideas, so he said he's giving the uh, reboot his blessing. Well, Coogler's great. He's a very so talented guy. If you had to have somebody take your product and, and take it to another place, right. that's one of the guys would be on a very short list you could probably feel pretty confident yeah. with. I just don't understand why you wouldn't bring back the originator of the show. Um, it, but. but he has confirmed that he is not involved anyway in the new X-Files other than as a cheerleader, he said in an interview recently. Hmm. But look, it, we're, it's a win-win. At least Cougar has the blessing yeah. of, the, of the guy. And um, it sounds like Chris Carter feels like his baby's in pretty good hands. That's good. But it must still feel weird. That'd be weird to watch someone else create a new x -Files. Like when a new person comes in here and does the Ralph report. Right? And you're standing off to the side. Exactly. I'm like, just out there having a- When Jason Lee comes, having a sweet the host tea of the Ralph And report. someone else is hosting the Ralph report. It's going to be strange. <laughs> Only Murders in the Building keeps getting better. Eugene Levy is now going to be- Oh, perfect. One of the stars of season four. Perfect. It's becoming like a little SCTV reunion over there. You had Andrea Martin this past season. Yeah. And now Eugene Levy's going to be uh, part of the cast oh, as well. Wait. I can't wait for it either. He's so good in everything. I know. Eva Longoria, we already mentioned, is going to be on. Molly Shannon, much to my chagrin, will also be involved. <laughs> Meryl Streep's coming back. So a lot of good talent. And this last story made me laugh so hard. Be careful. I guess, uh, what's the old saying? What you wish for? No, uh, um, <laughs> buyer beware, right? Buyer beware. Caveat yeah. emptor? Isn't yes. that what it is? Is that what the, the Latin Sailor's is? Delight. Right? Sailor's delight. <laughs> You're not helping me at all. <laughs> anyway, be, just purchase wisely is what I'm saying. <laughs> Over in the UK, uh, fans were promised Willie's chocolate experience. I don't want that. It sounds like a hot lunch. <laughs> a hot Carl, you mean? Well, you can call him a hot lunch, too. Eddie, you want Jackpot's chocolate experience? Uh, no, I do not. I have some chocolate. That's... Seems really loose. Willie's Chocolate Experience. Now, not affiliated with Warner Brothers or the actual ma ma makers of Willy the Willy Wonka, Wonka film sure. in any way. Sure. But the photos for the pop-up experience sure led you to believe... Right that you would enter a world of, in quotes, pure imagination right. and have a wonderful, fantastic voyage chocolate into a chocolate experience. factory. 
Fans paid what translates into $44 each here oh, in America. Sure. I don't know how many pounds that Seems is. Seems reasonable. But uh, it was this was in Glasgow, by the way, in uh, in Scotland. And the photos that they sold the experience with yeah. were all done by AI. Oh. So you've got lollipops and magical right. rainbows and vehicles and stuff. Yeah. When people went into the actual Willie's chocolate experience, yeah. it was a uh, abandoned warehouse. That had like a bouncy castle on one a side. A brown pool filled with chocolate. <laughs> and like an inflatable, <laughs> lame-ass uh, rainbow. And there was some lady behind a, a desk with some test tubes wearing like a bad green oh. Oompa Loompa wig. Oh, my God. And children started crying yeah, at the event. That looks frightening. Say, police who were called to the scene by angry parents. And apparently everyone had to get their money back. That's but if you can find amazing. the photos online, oh. please do so, because it's freaking hilarious. Somebody posted, it looks like she's working in a meth lab. You have this dour-faced <laughs> woman wearing a green wig with test tubes in front of her, pretending to make oh, chocolate. She's probably like three bucks an hour, too. Uh, it, was, it was amazing. That's awesome. So uh, just be careful. Buy or beware. <laughs> Good day, sir. You get nothing. That's what they should have said to people who are asking for their money. As soon money as you back. walk in, That's he yells great. at you. Yeah. So uh, if you see Willie's Chocolate Adventure being advertised anywhere near you, I suggest you stay away. Cover your chest. Today's celebrity birthdays. All these stars born on February 28th. Singer Sam the Sham of Sam the Sham and the Pharaohs. He's 87. Ray Don Chong is 63 years old. Writer-director Mike Figgis, who gave us Leaving Las Vegas, 76 years old today. Actor Bernadette Peters is 76 as well. Broadway star, film and television star. I think a whole generation of us sort of fell in love with her in The Jerk, yeah. the Steve Martin film, yeah. where she plays his love interest in that. She's just adorable in They're that perfect movie. together. Perfect. perfect. I know, I know you belong. Such a sweet scene in that movie. It is. I'm picking out a thermos for you. <laughs> Allie Larder is 48 years old. She starred in one of Kevin's films. Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Okay. Yeah. It's funny, they had Kevin's films on loop on television. Oh, in really? The state rooms. So if you went and turned on the television, At any point. that's what you were watching if you wanted to watch <laughs> television. Robert Sean Leonard, very talented actor. Best known probably for House MD, although he was also in uh, uh, Oh Captain, My Captain. What was that teacher movie with Rob Williams? Rob Williams, uh, uh, Prince of the Dead Darkness. Poet Society, Prince of Darkness, <laughs> Prince of Darkness. Uh, Robert Sean Leonard, fifty-five years old today. Pat Monahan, lead singer of Train, is fifty-five. My favorite actors, Mercedes Rule is 76 and John Turturro is 67. And Cindy Wilson of the B-52 celebrates her 67th. That's it for today's Celebrity Birthdays. I'm Ralph Garman. I walk the showbiz beat. And now, because it's Wednesday, it's time to take a look at a smash hit song that really was the ultimate in the performer's career, never able to reach that height of success again. It's One Hit Wonder Wednesday. It's a one hit wonder. One hit wonder. One hit wonders. It's a very common tale. The suggestion came in via... Email, if you'd like to send me a suggestion for One Hit Wonder via email, ralph at theralphreport.com. 
You can also reach out to Eddie at theralphreport.com or J at theralphreport.com if you want to talk to us via email. Nick in Spokane sent this one in. I recently found out a song that I only knew from The Simpsons' Itchy and Scratchy was an actual song and apparently a one-hit wonder. Can you tell me more about Yummy, 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 Nick in Spokane? If you're familiar with Yummy, 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 I've Got Love in My Tummy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We all know that yeah. song. Smash hit from 1968. It has been featured in The Simpsons in the episodes Itchy and Scratchy, the movie, and also The Heartbroke Kid. It's been in Monty Python's Flying Circus. It's been in a Futurama episode. It uh, there's there's It's all over popular culture. But originally, it was recorded and released by a band called The Ohio Express in 1968. Now, here's the interesting part of The Ohio Express. That is not a real band. This was not uncommon in the late 60s and early 70s, where if a production company and some songwriters had material, they would create what is basically a fictional band and release the song under that banner. And sometimes there would be multiple songs that came from the same, in quote, band that were actually different singers and different songwriters. So Ohio Express was never actually a real band. Mm. Uh, The songwriter Joey Levine was actually the singer of the song, and he had written and sang a bunch of other what are known as bubblegum pop songs as well. But Ohio Express was just a concoction of studio musicians, no real band. And when they went to market the song, they actually got a different band by the name of Sir Timothy and the Royals. Okay. They hired them to play the Ohio Express, took pictures of them, and put those on the covers of the records. So there's the face of the band. Uh, yes, and okay. they would send them out to promote the singles, but they were not the band that recorded the song at all. Just a complete illusion. So, But Millie Vanilli was bad. Yeah, right. Okay. Well, I think it's because they pretended that bad. I guess they're doing it here, Aren't though, they too. doing it there? I guess no one really gave a shit in the <laughs> 60s and 70s. We were a lot, lot less uptight about yeah, this kind of thing. That's true. So anyway, the song was released in 1968 as the Ohio Express, and it was a phenomenon. It went to number six in Australia, number five in Austria. It went to all the way to number one in Canada, broke the top five in Ireland, number one in New Zealand, South Africa. It went to number five in Switzerland, broke the top 10, number five in the UK, and all the way to number four here on the Billboard charts in the United States. Here it is, the fictional band Ohio Express with Yummy, Yummy, Yummy. People talk about the phenomenon that was um, bubblegum pop in the yeah. 60s and 70s. That is pretty much always one of the prime examples. Uh, yeah. And yeah, it's it's nonsense. <laughs> but you can't deny how catchy it that is. Catchy. is. And catchy. the production is outstanding. Even though it was lightweight pop music of the uh, late 60s and early 70s, that particular song was influential in a lot of more well-respected bands. In, for example, the Beatles liked that opening riff so much, this one. that they took it and used it at the beginning of Back in the USSR that was released on their White Album. All right, here's the comparison. Yeah, they were influenced by that song enough to steal the riff. Or borrow. borrow. They're the Beatles. They, they, they don't they have to Kanye'd steal from it. anybody. They Kanye'd, they Kanye'd it. it. 
Then the Cars in 1978, they admitted that they also borrowed that same opening guitar riff for their hit single, Just What I Needed. And pop rock band Fountains of Wayne admitted that they also borrowed from Yummy, Yummy, Yummy to the top of their ninth, uh, their hit from 2003, Stacy's Mom. So even if it's a crappy bubblegum rock song, oh God. you can still influence your betters and get nothing for it. <laughs> Except one hit wonder fame. Because you don't really exist. You're not really a band. Yes, but this Joey Levine who sang lead and wrote that, he also wrote a bunch of other songs for other bands yeah. and other artists and had some uh, marginal success. So, you know, yeah. he did okay. He did all right. But still, Ohio Express, the fictional band, one hit wonders. It's the one hit wonder. One hit wonder. One hit wonders. It's a very common tale. Thanks for hanging out with us today, boys and girls. We'll talk to you tomorrow. We're going to do it again. We'd love to have you join us. Thursdays, of course, Ralph Sex University. Mm. Take a look at the world of human sexuality, entertainment news, your phone calls, all that stuff that we usually do. And we love to have you join us. That can't happen unless you don't take care of yourself. So please stay good in the hood. God. Life is life. And we want yours to be long, happy, and healthy. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Until we do, please remember and never forget, love you. Mean it. Bye. Ha-ha, so-ha. Ha-ha, got it. Ha-ha, bye-bye. Take a better dance now. Bye, Menon. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs>